everybody. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Ignite Radio Live. Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, you are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, and we are delighted and blessed to be with you tonight. Take it away, John. So, folks, why are we playing this beautiful, nostalgic song, 100 Years, besides the fact that it's beautiful, by the group Five for Fighting, John Andrasik? He's kind of communicating the nostalgic passage of years. We are making memories right now, and uh, tonight we want to invite you to join us in making memories. Tonight, our theme last week was Father's Day, and we were sharing stories about our fathers. And we invite you to call in tonight and share fun family stories or humorous or inspiring family stories. Be part of this storytelling experience, the opportunity we have on Annunciation Radio. And uh, why why do that? Because, um, I don't know, it goes too quickly. You know, we take these pictures of our children when they're small and at cute events, the zoo or Christmas, these notable occasions, and they're significant to us. But I suspect, except for the first few days where we're showing friends who happen to be over, we don't really pay much attention to them. But a year down the road, two years down the road, five years down the road, we show those pictures or that video, and it, it takes us back to that point. We realize the sacredness of life, the sacredness of the passage of time, the stories that are our unique families. And I would, I would submit to you all that uh, the family story is, need, is in need of being told. Around us, we can point all the fingers and we, that we want, and we should, truthfully, call out some significant things happening in the world around us uh, that are a challenge to the family. Gender confusion, different ideas of marriage, identity. Um, Certainly, the church gives us the truth. We want to follow that truth. But the best way to communicate God's love, to reach and engage hearts, is to tell those stories. And by that, I don't mean uh, sort of a uh, leave it to beaver, everything is always smiley and fun version of story. If you read the Old Testament, the story of God's love, the New Testament, God's love in Jesus Christ taking on flesh and blood, it can be messy. It can be ugly. The beauty of the family story is that God is in the midst of the mess. You know, wouldn't that be, uh, you know, appropriate that Jesus took on flesh and blood in Bethlehem to establish that premise, that God entered the mess? And if we recognize our mess, um, I think all the more it's an occasion for us to recognize the need for the Messiah. So tonight we're inviting you to call in and share that family story. And uh, Steph, what an appropriate time now that it is summer and we have time together as families to really s- seize these moments right now to mine the gold that is relationship. I love that image, just mining the gold, because the the treasure so often just lies hidden or unnoticed, and you got to get in there and do the work, right, to find that treasure, um, to make it known. And Summer is an awesome time to do that. We talked a little bit in a previous um, show just 
everything is like, oh, when I have more time or when the kids' practices stop or when the season ends or when school's out, we'll do this, this, or this. And it doesn't happen, you know? And so I think we have all these awesome ideas and plans for summer. And all of a sudden it's the end of July and school's starting in a few weeks. And it's like, where did the time go? And very analogous to the song in our lifetime, right? Mm -hmm. And also just the time that we are blessed to have our children under our roof with us. But just make those things happen. Schedule them. We've said it over and over again. You know, if it's important enough, get it on the calendar and just do it. Otherwise, it just slips away. But what are those things that you can do to rediscover that treasure as a family and those graces that the Lord desires um, to so generously give Mm. JP2, let's just all take a moment, right? (laughs) Everything the man said was gold that didn't need much mining. It was right there. But one of my favorite encyclicals of his is the role of the Christian family in the modern world. And just to share a very quick quote from the beginning of that encyclical, he tells us, willed by God in in the very action of creation, marriage and family are interiorly ordained to fulfillment in Christ and have need of his graces in order to be healed from the wounds of sin and restored to their beginning, that is, to full understanding and the full realization of God's plan. So just the messiness of family life, right? There is sin in there. There's a lot of imperfection. There's just a lot of, you know, just to be blunt, a lot of yuck, right? Sometimes with relationships and um, hurts and everything else, but it's in there that the Lord desires to bring that grace and fulfillment of a new creation into um, make God's love known to the world mm. through the awesome domestic church and the healing of relationships. Some of you, our listeners, might be familiar with um, Sister Miriam James, who has an incredible story. She's um, an author and a speaker and does a lot of different uh, work throughout the world for our church, really. But she has an amazing story of healing And um, she was a young alcoholic. She was sexually abused. She just a lot of craziness. She was um, adopted, I believe, conceived out of Mm -hmm. wedlock, just kind Mm -hmm. of like the whole thing, looking for her value and whatnot. And a phenomenal, I believe, an Olympic or tremendous athlete got caught up in drugs and sex and the whole scene gives testimony to it prior to so just you know her dream was to be like a sports commentator espn person like this whole thing long story short look her up sister miriam james she ended up becoming a nun (laughs) a beautiful beautiful sister and you know even after she professed her final vows still a lot of that healing that needed to take place Mm -hmm. and she speaks in her book loved as i am Um, which we have time, I'll read the little quote from it later. But it wasn't until she was on sabbatical and she lived with a family as her place of residence, if you will, for nine months, which I don't think is coincidental, nine months of rebirth into a new life. Hmm. But she speaks in this um, book and in a chapter of it, just how healing just family life was. The love between Hmm. a husband and wife and a mother and children and father and children in the daily grind of the tasks and um, just the ordinary stuff of life. It wasn't the perfect family, but Hmm. she experienced the love and the healing grace. And that's what we're talking about tonight. You know, just those funny stories, those inspiring stories, those moments um, of of life, right? Mm-hmm. You know, imperfections, but that the Lord uses. So if you have a f- family story to share of any fashion that has somehow touched you, or you think that 
other listeners would be delighted in. We encourage you to call in 877-275-8098. Bring it on. We're opening the door, folks, right now. Greg and Steph, Ignite Radio Live, this whole region, I think the Holy Spirit on the whole world. We're opening up the door to thinking about God's design for family. And not just in the abstract, you know, uh, catechetical information or stuff. All those truths are great, but to tell those stories and to help make this accessible, we are inviting you to join us in proclaiming, I love my family. We believe proclamation can change the atmosphere, the spiritual atmosphere. Merely saying those words, I love my family, has the power to change the atmosphere a little bit. You're not aware of it, but God made us uh, occasions for his glory to be known. He made us in his image. Our words have power. We can disregard the power of words. But it says, Revelations 12, 11, they defeated the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So how are we going to do this? Well, we invite you to go to ilovemyfamily.us. Go to ilovemyfamily.us. We are united here in this northwestern Ohio region in particular in seeking to have billboards throughout the city with a neat, uh, if you will, logo that says, I love my family, directing them to ilovemyfamily.us, and uh, auto magnets. Um, And if you go to the site, um, the first thing you're going to see is an invitation to join us for our family Emmaus. It's not just about an event, but we do have our eyes fixed on that destination August 12th. It will be at St. Joan of Arc um, after Mass. A great opportunity out there to go more deeply into the awareness of God's love, God's design for husband and wife and family. Which of you listening right now don't desire to more fully discover and live God's love alive in family? Well, we do. That's why we're doing this. We're not, you know, opening the door to this because we've arrived, but because we yearn, as it says, John Paul II said in Familiaris Consortio, we learn to become what we are. We yearn to more fully discover that. So I love my family.us. You'll see the link there. You'll also see resources to talk and pray in your home. We've discovered this in our own family as a tremendous occasion to share our lives together. We talk about this from the beginning of Ignite Radio Live. Those that have done this, by the way, as a, as a month becomes six months, becomes a year, they're talking about family transformation. The more they commit to it, the more they're recognizing God's healing, transforming grace alive in those relationships. Why? Because he made us in his image. Family is God's self-proclamation. Think of it that way. Family is God's self-revelation. We are we're God's selfie in a sense. We're making him oh, who is cute. We're making him who is love known. He inhabits us. And the enemy who doesn't like that, who's jealous of us because we're made in God's image, he wants us to think anything but that. He wants to distract us from our inherent nature, our image in God, and our capacity to love, to image the Trinity. So tell me I'm right or wrong, whatever, maybe call in and argue with me. I'm, I'm fine with that. But do we not see distraction around us from love, from that occasion to selflessly enter into the life of another? Do we not have the joy when we break out of our, our you know, devices, our, our, our cells, our own media, our own entertainment? Do we not have a delight when we actually sit down with somebody and they're sharing with us stories about their life, when that's broken open to a certain extent? And do we not see in that kind of an experience of Christ himself who says, and we get this at Mass, this is my body broken for you. The blessing comes by way of the brokenness. Family will entail brokenness. And uh, I guess I, we're going to pray in just a moment here, getting ahead of ourselves. We're excited here, but inviting you to call in and share your story. But um, just that 
you know that we'll just go into prayer. <laughs> in the name of the Father <laughs> and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you that you made us in your image. That while the world is appealing to us, offering us the fruit of the same tree as the garden, offering us an alternate identity, competing things that compete for our affection. And we've all partaken of them, God. We've all partaken of that fruit. We know we are what we eat. And when we've partaken of that fruit, it has left us, like Adam and Eve, estranged. It's maybe opened our eyes to sin, opened our eyes to that horizon beyond you, which is not one of joy and peace and intimacy. It's one of isolation and guilt and clouds and shadow and darkness. And Lord, you give us family as an occasion to experience renewal. If we would embrace your design of us personally and as a family, if we'd turn to you, turn our hearts to you, take that time to turn to you and receive your grace to recognize our faults and our shortcomings and apologize for them, to be emptied of the stuff, of the junk, that we can be filled with your Holy Spirit. Lord, you desire us to be the means for your kingdom to come, for there to be renewal throughout this world. Make us more aware of who we are, God, individually and as families, the, the beautiful purpose that you call us, our nature and our mission to live this out. And we ask this in your name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. So just some quick stories for me. And again, you think of yours, 877-275-8098. By the way, a setting last night, we have our wonderful family in town with us from Erie, PA. I could say the Wagners, which would narrow it down to about 12 families. My wife is one of 12. But Stephanie, my wife's beloved brother, Keith, and sister-in-law, Mel, and their wonderful three kids um, is always a great uh, time for us. We share stories, we talk, we pray, uh, we do fun things together. And last night, I think uh, a great image of that, last night, a great image of that was everybody on the couch, um, probably, I don't know, 12 of us. It just was a big couch. Big couch, right? <laughs> we hanging out sitting on each and, other. and um, sharing stories, sharing stories. I asked Alex, the eldest of the Wagners, to share a funny story from her high school years, and she shared this very funny story that had me laugh and the rest of us laughing. Little Joey, her brother, we asked him a story, and he was sharing a story. And I just thought, you know, this is what life is meant to be about. Um, when we get away from our devices, our entertainment, we just tell fun stories or real stories or remember when kinds of stories. And Steph, you know, just a little more uh, vivid for me is is the picture, the, are the pictures and your story as a family, one of 12, and this may be impossible by modern experience to understand, but 12 kids and the two parents crammed into a station wagon on the way to your vacation in the summer. And I still don't understand how that happened. One car but what is your recollection of that? So I was a little one, so I'm sure my older siblings whose laps were being crushed and legs stepped on have a more uh, vivid memory. I'd, so it was the norm, right? You didn't think twice about it. There weren't car seats. There weren't seat belts. Um, I think I can picture a little carrier maybe that probably was on someone's lap for the baby, which would have been Keith, Alex's dad. Um so just on laps and kind of sleeping and, you know, you call, uh, we had a name, what was the name for the back seat in the station? Tail gunner. Tail gunner. And I just, it was just kind of fun. There was no air conditioning. I don't know. You just, you didn't think about it. So our family vacation usually consisted, I don't know for how many years, 
Um, but up until her mom died when I was five, I remember um, each year we'd go to Canada, which was what us Pennsylvanians considered up north. I mm-hmm. know here in Ohio, when people say up north, it was Michigan. It took me a little while. Only to a get couple used hours from there in Erie, PA. Right. So Niagara, Niagara Falls. Falls was very close. Um, we'd go to the Canadian National Exhibition. Um, in Toronto, and it was just just delightful, very simple. Like I remember oatmeal and tea, and you know this table inside, and actually not to gross out our listeners, but I remember sleeping in a sleeping bag. I didn't think you were going to tell that story, but why not? <laughs> okay, I won't. No, do oh, it. I, keeps it real. I will if someone calls in. Do it. Eight seven seven two seven five eight zero nine eight. No, just so picture fourteen people in a tent. So in my little mind. Like, I don't really know what size it was, but like in my child memory, it was huge. It was like big enough for a little table and that I remember my mother making sandwiches on and whatever. And the last vacation that we went on, it was a very rainy, um, just rained a lot. And it was very cold, like unseasonably cold. I remember it was the first time I had tea. Like that was like a big deal. And um, but anyway, so I woke up in the middle of the night or early morning or whatever, and I was all wet. And it wasn't the rain. It was not the rain. And I thought, oh my goodness, like I wet the bed. And then I realized that it wasn't me who did it, but my little younger brother who was probably two and a half. So it was okay. So I still like to, you know, hold that against him a little bit. Not really. He's one of my all-time favorite people in the entire universe, Keith Wagner. Um, so. Anyway, but just those memories. And I remember we got wherever we had walked to and trying to find the little parking lot that we had parked in in this little uh, park or it was wooded. It was a big old park. I want to say Metro Park, but that's here in Ohio. Um, And it was getting dark and we couldn't find it. And I remember my oldest brother, Michael, offering to put me on his shoulders because my little legs were so tired. And, you know, so he went to lift me up and... um, like I sat before I should have, so I butted him literally right in the face, like in the nose, you know, that awful feeling when someone mm. hits you in the nose. Needless to say, I walked the rest of the way. <laughs> but just, I mean, it sounds silly, but it, it's significant. Memorable. And, you know, as our siblings are together and share these very, what, you know, others might consider boring little, um, not, you know, just very simple stories are so rich in in meaning and history for us and you know someone adds something and then something else so i guess as you said before as you were um sharing us rambling a, a bunch of stories last night like it's so important for families to keep that going not just for history's sake because it is awesome to sit down with the parents or a grandparent or great grandparent or whomever and you know those rich historical you know, moments in the family and jobs and how this happened. And, you know, this person met this person and we lose that so easily, but also just the ordinary stuff of what you remember growing up or what you remember from your school day or what, you know, just conversation in families is never a waste. Mm -hmm. It's only a richness and a treasure again, meant to be mined. So I grew up in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, really have lived 13 places in my life. 
And my most memorable youth years from age three to age 18 were in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. So, yes, Oshkosh Pagash and Oshkosh Truck. And uh, they were, you know, nostalgic childhood memories. One of six boys and a girl was the youngest. And those hot summer months, we had the Experimental Aircraft Association, which is the largest uh, airplane convention, if you will, in the world. So we had these really cool military jets dating from Second World War all the way up to present day. And the Blue Angels were really awesome. They'd be flying overhead over our home with the walkie-talkies back in those days. And uh, some of the, the the pilots, the if you will, experimental pilots that came in, they'd have radios and sometimes they'd hit your frequency where they're flying by and you'd have maybe 10 seconds of communicating with them. We just thought that that was really awesome as, as little boys. Um, lived by a woods. And so, you know, you all remember the days, folks, some of you who are older, where you'd wake up and in our case, We'd do our chores, and then you'd play sports with your friends in the neighborhood all day long until, in our case, living in Wisconsin, you use what you have, and my parents had a cowbell. Uh, would ring the cowbell to get us home for lunch, my mom. And uh, you'd have, eat lunch, and you'd go right back out, and you play sports again and playing in the woods. We had a, a wooded area, and the armory, an armory was nearby. So um, going to the pool, of course, riding our bikes. Parents didn't have the fear of us riding our bikes even many miles. you go to your friends' homes that were many miles. Um, it's important, you know, I think, for us to share these kinds of stories with our children. And I would say, you know, I do recall you know, for the record, my mom talking to an aunt and saying, when do they start getting along? Like, they're always on each other's nerves. They're always agitating, you know. Greg's always triggering people, although that's modern-day language. She wouldn't have said it back then. But, um, no, there were definitely those moments where I'm sure my mom was delighted that we were out of the house for many hours so she could have a little bit of serenity and peace. Uh, there are moments where I'd say, even with us boys, maybe even wrestling, maybe even a punch or two is thrown. Um, but we're all very close as brothers. We all love each other. It's all part of our common history. We get together now with our children, by uh, God's grace, my parents on my side, have 50 uh, grandchildren. So our kids, if you add Stephanie's nieces and nephews, our kids have over 90 first cousins, um, which just, again, the delight and the story, and you obviously experience through your family members the joys, the struggles, the sorrows, you are part of their lives. And that's, I think, the beauty of family also. So anyways, 877-275-8098. I want you to call in and share with us a family story, something that was moving to you from your history, maybe something really funny that happened. And even if you just want to call and share with us how important family is to you, the delight of family, somebody may need to hear it tonight. So again, I give you that number, 877 877- Two seven five eight zero nine eight. While you're thinking about that, I'm actually going to read one from Irene Kazmarak, who says this: We went to lunch with our youth group leader. She prayed with us before the meal, and it inspired us so much that we decided to make sure we did grace before each meal. As foster parents, we did this. We had kids that were from infants to preschool age. One young person had a chance to be with us after foster care to celebrate his birthday. Our neighbor made him really cool cupcakes. We were about to sit at our table to eat them when he instead asked us to say a prayer. I was moved to tears. He was a child a few years later that had the presence of mind to stop to say grace first. It moved me to tears. Never underestimate the small acts you do with children. The same young man told me that when he went home with his family, they wanted to say the prayer at meals, but no one wanted to. 
That Youth Ministers Act inspired us. Ours inspired another. Keep it going. Don't be afraid to do public acts of worship. People aren't afraid to do the opposite. Be the positive signs of our faith inside and outside the home. Thanks for sharing that great wisdom and example, Irene. So we are blessed to have with us, of course, John Paul on the soundboard doing some production, and my daughter, Anne-Marie Schleter, who is with us. Hi, Annie. Hello. You can pull that microphone (laughs) a little closer. I kind of took her off guard. But um, we're blessed, Mass Impact, to have Annie step into the seat and help uh, over the next six weeks, particularly this I Love My Family.us endeavor um, to reach out to you all get you on board and to join us in making this proclamation in the city. But I did raise the question, and John Paul, I would open it up to you also, as our folks are thinking, 877-275-8098. Do you have a story from childhood that is memorable, either humorous or inspiring or made a difference? Well, one time, John Paul, what a little dude. Um, We have this video of... um, my, well, Dad, you were great at filming, but sometimes when you would film, you wouldn't really be watching us. So Indeed. there was <laughs> Truth. one it's a time trouble. that there was like in our big backyard in Pennsylvania, Mom, you were with the girls, my little sisters, and Dominic, the youngest, and I was trying to climb a tree, and John Paul and Joseph were fighting in Wrestling. the yard. Um Mm-hmm. Friendly yeah. wrestling that <laughs> lasted Let 15 her minutes. give her version. So, because Joseph always had to have this dumb ball, but it's fine. And John Paul was dad. Dad, you were egging John Paul to take the ball back because Joseph had logicked him out of it. And um, <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, I was climbing this tree, and I was just like, Dad, look how high I am. Dad, Dad, and I was in the zone, the me. film zone, and, and you're going no uh-huh. excuses, mm-hmm. no excuses, yeah. And it's John Paul, John Paul, poor little John Paul, finally gets on top with this ball, is winning, and I'm like, look how high I am. And John Paul goes, he stops and he turns and he goes, wow, look how high, and then gets pummeled. So thanks for your um, <laughs> takes a moment from the wrestling. You're welcome, man. I've got that on film though. It yeah. was a classic that's moment. That's right. the point of the story. But Beautiful. yeah. Mm-hmm. Good, good talk. John Paul. Gosh, I can't even think of any. I mean, like, I know that there are stories. Um, my mind is in such a haze, so I, I, I don't know. You're surfing political stories right now is why, right? <laughs> Tell the truth. Actually, Shh, quiet. We'll come, we'll come back to you because there are so many. But those moments, Annie, again, Dad's filming just trying to capture... You know, just a fun backyard moment and to watch it however many years later and seeing the different personalities and the stories that come between and, you know, the pointing out stuff in the background, whether it was our fire pits or, you know, just different things that we don't think of often that were such a part of those days. Um, Those were the days of our lives. Um, Yes, I know. Um, (laughs) But just how cool that is. So, yes, for as big of a pain as it is sometimes to pull out you know, I guess I could say the smartphone now to video, but, you know, the cameras or whatever you have, just do it. You know, not where it takes away, you know, from the moment of entering in, because I think that that, you know, can be a divisive thing also where you're Pardon the pun. more concerned with that stuff than the actual people in this, you know, situation going on and entering in that way. Um, but, you know, just to have those and for kids to see, too, how they were loved 
back then mm. in those kinds of ways, which sometimes especially maybe in rougher teenage years or tumultuous family times, um, to have that for them to experience, I think, to know how much they're can be a very and, healing yeah. thing also. It was a few weeks ago we were driving, and in our car, um, I try. I'm an imperfect person, human being, but I try to open the door to conversation, and sometimes uh, I do have monologue things to say. My kids will remember that forever. What's cool is they do remember. It's kind of cool. Um, but as they get older and experience life, I'm so blessed by their stories and their insights and what happens um, in their lives. It's just, it's really neat. So um, I'll even say this Live It Gathering Guide. Again, go to massimpact.us. Um, new every week based upon Sunday readings. Our kids are a bit habituated to, if you will, questions that try to open the door to relationship and the soul. And we have what are called their five daily questions. And the two maybe most significant ones are what's a challenge and what's a victory. So in our home, we really want to get beyond, if you will, uh, biographical sorts of conversations or you know, to try to, you know, tap that. And it gets more difficult as they get older to a certain point. Um, and then at some point they start leading and start owning and start, you know, asking the questions if we forget. Anyways, all that to set the stage that that was uh, context in a car three weeks ago. And Catherine, sitting behind me, she's 14, asked the question, why do you think, Dad, all these um, school killings are going on? The violence. Why is that happening? And Catherine is... Um, our beautifully inquisitive one. She has a real intrigue uh, for all things, matters holy and the way people are designed and um, that kind of thing. So, you know, I think it's a bit of a way of understanding the importance of family because of all of those occasions, there are at least two factors that are common to them all. None of them had a vibrant faith environment, not a single one, and none of them really had a great necessarily loving father. In fact, I think all but one uh, lived in families of divorce. But in particular, I'll say it again, uh, a vibrant faith environment, none of them came, um, grew up in such an environment. And number two, none of them really had a great, warm, loving relationship, if you will, with their father. Now, if you look at that, and I'm not going to name any political parties because as Catholics, we ought to be about truth and good and right, which is bigger than politics. It's bigger than systems. Um, but look at the world and just consider to what degree are we trying to foster atmosphere of God alive in schools, again, respecting people's individual choices and all that, but in schools, in homes, in marriages, you know, are we really acknowledging the value and the power of a lived faith? Are we trying to foster that, especially since it's a success criteria? And secondly, the role of a father, certainly a mother, absolutely, husband and wife. But sociologically, so beyond faith, the role of a father is absolutely instrumental in a loving father, not just in the home and paying the bills, of course, that's fundamental, but a father who's involved and present. And so I, I, I guess I affirm again this conversation of how the family may be in jeopardy. You know, affirm the fact that um, families can be together, but more than ever, they're isolated under their own roof, which might even be more frustrating than solitary confinement. There are a lot of studies about why is this um, opioid, I always mispronounce that, crisis, opioid. opioid crisis going on. And there are a lot of great short films on YouTube you can see about this. Um, and a, a key 
feature of this is that those who are given to this have disconnected family circumstances. In a lot of the films that talk about addictions to dopamine and how we enter into that, and people who came back from Vietnam on drugs um, didn't need to go even through withdrawal because they found themselves in meaningful family connections that f- satisfied the needs that otherwise weren't there. So um, just the need to reclaim the family, and for family not just to reclaim it, for families to act as families, for families to make the time not just to watch movies, which there's a time and a place for that, or to be on devices, there's a time and a place for that. But really, folks, consider the question, when's the last time you sat down for a half hour or more and had meaningful conversations about what's going on in one another's lives? That's the fuel of relationship. That's the lifeblood of relationship. That's what allows us to be an image of the Trinity and to experience healing and grace and transformation. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything to add as I'm still going. Steph? Just ditto. <laughs> ditto. No, it's, it is so true. It's so easy when, um, again, not to sound like a broken record, but just you come home from school or work or whatever and you know, you just want to chill and it's easy to kind of go off into your own places and, you know, uh, on your devices and checking things. And, and not not that even some of those, they're not necessarily bad things, but sometimes, unfortunately, it is that place where you have to consciously make the effort to come together, right? I mean, what are the stats? We all know that they're not good about the how often families actually even eat together, you know, and um, or, you know, have some sort of connection before going to bed of any meaningful, you know, connection. So just an encouragement to make that happen, to sit down eyeball to eyeball. I know um, Greg's mom is a phenomenal woman on so many levels. And the one piece of advice that I think she's given to all of her daughters-in-law has been the one thing that she wished if she could change anything would be to have more you know, sitting on the floor, eyeball to eyeball conversations, because you do get lost so often, especially as moms in the tasks of the day and the things that you're doing in serving your family and, you know, trying to keep things in order and, you know, make things run more smoothly and more peacefully. And, you know, then, you know, your own stuff and certainly foundationally your relationship with your husband and all, you know, just kind of, it's always something, but just to kind of pause and stop and appreciate and I know that's a challenge for me because it's, you know, I can wash dishes and talk or I can fold laundry and talk. But to what our kids need so much and so often is that, no, I'm going to set everything aside and give you my my attention, you know, that eyeball to eyeball time. So um, just an encouragement for families to be more aware of that and to do that more. And even the fun stuff, right, to go out in the yard and play or a board game or it sounds so cliche, but it's so true. It's so true. You don't get these years back and this time back. I want to throw a question out there um, and get everybody's response on it. As I am blessed, we're blessed in this community. I have so many dear friends. And the beauty of community is we learn from one another. Do we not? We look at certain couples and we say, man, they just handled that situation so well. I want to do that. Like they model a virtue for us. And hopefully we do that with people coming to our home. Um, But there's one area that intrigues me, and that is the degree to which parents allow the children to drive the train. Children say they don't want to sit at the table and eat. Children say they don't want to sit and listen to a relative share a story. Children think, parents think their children are incapable of, I'll just say, 
what it takes to be family, what it takes to image the Trinity, to be together, to sit together, and to actually, dare I say, listen to what an adult has to say, to listen to the story. I guess I'd ask you folks to think about um, when you were younger, maybe your kids who are now younger, um, say more than just the Thanksgiving table. When you gather with relatives, is it scattered and isolated, or do you have moments where the eldest, your grandma and grandpa or mom and dad, when they're telling stories, first of all, do we set it up that way, that we're actually sitting around in a circle kind of thing, and maybe we, who are more mature, ask questions. Hey, Grandpa, tell about the time when, or Grandma, tell about this. Do you have moments like that in an ongoing way where the children are sitting there and expected to listen without a dang device in their hands and to actually listen? You said dang. I did say dang. Wow, dang. But, Steph, you share this story, and it even sounds maybe a little painful by today's standards. I don't know if this is the extreme we're looking for, but you with your 12 children would go and visit I your aunt, your uncle. Okay, did I say you? <laughs> you were one of 12 children. Yep. You would visit your aunt or your uncle, or they'd be visiting your home, and it was expected, expected that you guys in a very small quarters, sitting around on a Sunday or whatever and listening to the stories. So I guess I have two questions. How accurate is that portrait? Thank and you. two... What difference did what 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 was the challenge to you? Did you want to get up and go somewhere? Did you enjoy it? Do you remember it? What difference did it make in your life? Well, I I was an odd child. I always loved that stuff. I loved adult conversation and the stories and just sitting in the peace of that. I guess um, I've always again I just I love history. I love story you know storytelling. Just that whole piece. So for me, it wasn't too much of a challenge. Um, sometimes it got kind of long, but we were just expected to be part of it. So one, it teaches you so many virtues of patience and, you know, the the attribute of listening and kind of interacting and whatever. Um, I think for some of my other siblings, it was definitely more of a chore. And so they would start poking and prodding (laughs) a sibling next to them or whatever. Um, but a, a true value. And even as, you know, getting older as an older you know, teen and then young adults. Um, and as those same relatives got older, it took more patience, but it was almost richer, if that makes mm. any sense. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so just just a real gift and an, and an open door to so much. Um, Annie, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on family stuff that we've been talking about or a different family story, or it's interesting because you're at a different end um, of the spectrum, so to speak, you're 20 years old, going to be a junior at Ave Maria. So many of your friends have um, kind of entered into the next phase of engagement or marriage. And, you know, some younger families, you know, down in Florida. And I know you're like me in the sense of as I was at your that stage of life, kind of looking ahead and feeling like God, if God called me to marriage and family life, you know, the, the certain things that I would see around me, whether it was my own older siblings with their families starting or, you know, friends or, you know, babysitting jobs or whatever and things that you saw that or that I saw that I was like, I want to do that someday in my family or I hope to have this or that. Um, we've had some conversations about that. I don't know if anything, you know, jumps jumps out to you, like from your perspective, looking ahead to family life. What are some of those things? Um, I would just say, I don't know if this exactly answers your question, 
but it's okay. We'll we don't answer it. questions on the show. <laughs> we just come up with new things. Um, but um, just something that struck me in the last couple years is the dignity of the vocation of marriage. And I think as a church, we failed a lot by not looking at marriage as a vocation or family life as a vocation, you know, like in um, mass and things like that. When we pray for vocations, we pray for vocations to the priesthood and religious life, which are really beautiful, but we're missing this whole other aspect of, okay, how do we get vocations to, or holy vocations to the priesthood and religious life by raising up good holy families? Um, And that's something that I've become very passionate about. And it was kind of cool because um, uh, I I keep almost calling Ave Villa, but that was (laughs) two very different places. Ave Maria, where I go to school now. Um, We have a vocations fest every year, which is super beautiful. And all of these different um, priests and religious come in and we have a program that they all kind of talk about their orders and um, whatever. And it's just awesome because you just feel their presence. You know, mm-hmm. when it's cool, like when you wake up and you pull up your blinds and you're like, oh, a flock of nuns by the canal. <laughs> How lovely. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just great. You can basically go to confession whenever you want. And there's always a mass going on somewhere because it's just a big party. But. It was cool because a couple of my friends and I were talking about how this year was cool because we didn't like feel guilty talking to them because just our pull, our draw towards married life and feeling like that's what God is calling us to do, this particular group of people in my life. Um, and yeah, that was just that was just a cool thing. But it was really cool too because the whole time I was actually while all of this was going on, I was like babysitting a four year old and I was like, Yeah, that yep, that's where I'm supposed to be. Um but I just, yeah, I love, I think we need to claim, I don't know if this is something that people who are married or older struggle with or see as like, I don't know, marriage as not an adventure or fatherhood as like boring or motherhood is boring or family life is boring because it's not supposed to be boring. Like you don't need to be a missionary in Africa for the Lord to take you on an adventure. Mm. Um, Relationships are an adventure. Communication is an adventure. Mm. And family life is dignified like jesus jesus dignified family life by taking it on and by becoming a son um and calling mary to be a mother and joseph to be a father and i think that there is adventure that's hidden there um but it's we don't have to like actually really seek it out we just kind of have to receive it and i don't know we're not created to be bored we're created for adventure and it's, it's present wherever the Lord is calling us um, in whatever vocation. And one of my favorite professors talks about how um, it's, it's all of our vocation. Actually, at the end of the day, we're all created to create life, to pass life on, mm. um, because that's what God does. We're made in the image and likeness of God. So, so often we get caught up in like, okay, what job am I supposed to take? Or what decision am I supposed to make about this, this, and this? And it doesn't really matter what what age you are. I feel like everybody always likes to be in a midlife crisis and things get complicated and we like to partner with that spirit of complication instead of trusting because so many of us have an addiction to control, um, which I think we all do to an extent. Um, but what if our focus as families were, how can we pass life on? How can we pass life on in the immediacy of our relationships with each other? How can I bring life by speaking life, um, by speaking positivity by, you know, affirmation, um, by encouragement to my parents, to my children, to my siblings, to my crazy mother-in-law or whatever else. Um, And that doesn't mean that you just like sugarcoat real issues. It means you take them on. But even in that, it's how do I, how do I bring life to this situation? Awesome, Annie. I love your heart. I love your sharing. Very insightful, very wise. And I have to think as you're sharing that, a portrait from your age of 
Trinitarian life. I mean, it's not just natural, it's supernatural. Like something supernatural is happening when, when families operate in the way God designed it to be. It's supernatural. Grace happens. Healing happens. Connection happens. It, it, it dispels all kinds of social ailments um, that many, many people carry around. And So number one, I think we need to relearn that. We need to relearn communication. We need to re- relearn what it means to have empathy, I guess, is a huge thing. To relearn that there's tremendous joy and adventure in asking the question, hmm, instead of being preoccupied with how I want to spend my day when I wake up, suddenly pray and all that, maybe attune me, God, to what's going on with mom or dad or, in my case, my wife or my children. Like, what is their inner world like? That Just that question alone stretches me beyond myself and opens up a horizon of value, a horizon of meaning. To be curious and to wonder and, dare I say, to care about what moves somebody. And that obviously is going to lead to the way I treat them. It's going to lead to the way I, I pray for them, you guys. It's going to lead to the way the kinds of questions that I ask. Um, so what are the blocks, if you will, is a good question. What are the blocks, folks, out there that keep us from living this abundant life that family's meant to be? One, I think, is devices. I'm going to say this a little tongue-in-cheek, but more true than false. Get rid of them. I mean, I have mine, and, you know, I use it and whatever. But it's a huge challenge. And this book, How to Break Up With Your Phone, um, is not the, the premise is not to get rid of your phone, but the sociological data that demonstrates how, how we're being radically rewired by our addiction to phones, our addiction devices, how they singularly are putting blocks in our relationships with one another. And, you know, it's sooner or later, get this book again, How to Break Up with Your Phone, Catherine Price. Well, it's, she's not writing as a Christian or a believer. She's writing as, if you will, a, um, uh, a write, you know, writes for newpapers she's and she's a sociologist, etc. Um, <laughs> so, job, Catherine. <laughs> and, Annie, the other, you know, I shared, I shared with our audience a couple of weeks ago um, f- following uh, Bart Schutz coming and speaking for our Praying with Fire conference and this idea of emotional quotient emotional intelligence. And folks, this is an arena we as Christians need to understand because it's a greater predictor of success in marriages and families than anything else. It's a greater predictor of success in business than actual our, our, our IQ. So Bart facilitated the day, and we're going to bring him back next year for Pentecost, um, really quite frankly to understand you know, um, what blessedness comes through brokenness and being authentic authentic with one another and the grace that is poured through. So Annie and I had a great conversation by phone. She was an Ave at the time. And, you know, what it did for me, and there were seasons in my life where I saw myself able to do this better, but when it's your own family, I'm pronouncing this, it's just more difficult. It can be more difficult for us to be, if you will, emotionally honest and to be authentic with one another. Um, but I found myself with, shall we say, a strength as a father, to be more emotionally honest. Not manipulative, but to be emotionally honest. And as I shared with our audience, there was an occasion where I'd shared with some children, you know, something was going on, and I said, you know, that that was hurtful. And it was a good thing for me to share. And um, when you open that door again, and it's not manipulative, but it's emotionally honest, you're, we're a lot, it's like a synapse. It's like a relational synapse, a connection that allows us to really enter into another's soul. We don't need to be defensive. And I think here's a key point, too, is just acknowledge, as this radio program has been because of me from the beginning, it can be clumsy, it can be awkward, it can be feel a little bit, you know, odd to initiate conversation with our loved ones, 
But do it anyways. That beautiful litany that Mother Teresa says, if this, do it anyways. If this, do it anyways. Open the door and risk setting up a context with your family to have meaningful conversations or even in the car to ask questions that might open the door. I just want to jump back to Annie's comments. And for years, you're right, Annie, especially like in the prayers of the faithful. um, And we needed a need to pray for vocations to the priesthood and religious life, right? But marriage was often kind of set aside and, um, and the dignity and the holiness that could and should be found there. And that's why so many things about Bishop Thomas that we've been so blessed with. But when he came, his whole vision, if you will, the, the, the motto that he gave to our diocese of, you know, holy disciples, um, holy families, holy vocations, that it all goes together. You know, our personal call to holiness that hopefully then overflows to our families and holy vocations, wherever we are called to, that they, they are meant to be lived in the holiness and the light of Christ and all that that means to our church and to the world. And that's just awesome. So yes, that just that whole adventuresome spirit. And um, it's certainly not boring, that is for sure. Since the phone is ringing off the hooks, I'm just you know going to preempt it with reading the gospel, proclaiming the gospel for this coming Sunday, which just for you, our wonderful listeners, it's such an awesome thing to know. God is in his word, and um, he can form our hearts and our minds to awaken us, to tune us, to calibrate we who are human for the abundant life he calls us to. So number one, I just encourage you to take the time every day to even read the daily readings from Mass, certainly the Psalms, and receive it. Even if it's just one line that you're chewing on, take the time and let that speak to you. Let it inform you. Let it change the way that we think. So we do that at Mass Impact. We invite, again, families and groups to get together and to be fed by the truth of God, God alive in his word and in our relationships. And we're just going to do that now. I'm going to proclaim the gospel for this coming Sunday, the Feast of St. John the Baptist, from Mark 4, 26 to 34. Reading from the gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. When the time arrived for Elizabeth to have her child, She gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy toward her, and they rejoiced with her. When they came on the eighth day to circumcise the child, they were going to call him Zechariah after his father, but his mother said in reply, No, he will be called John. But they answered her, There is no one among your relatives who has this name. So they made signs asking his father what he wished him to be called. He asked for a tablet and wrote, John is his name. And all were amazed. Immediately his mouth was opened, his tongue freed, and he spoke blessing God. Then fear came upon all their neighbors, and all these matters were discussed throughout the hill country of Judea. All who heard these things took them to heart, saying, What then will this child be? For surely the hand of the Lord was with him. The child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the desert until the day of his manifestation to Israel. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. So a family story, right? Husband, wife, child, purposeful. Um, And just the connection to Jesus Christ himself, that Jesus is part of a family. That Jesus, um, it, you know, is 
is part of the mission and his cousin is engaged in this mission from a priestly class that God deliberately gave the cousin the name John and the wonder that both separately gave him that name uh, without knowing that one from the other. So people aware that there's a mystery and there's a wonder at work, a mission at work with this family. What struck you guys or inspired you or challenged you? Well, real quick, just to... to, to uh it has nothing to do with the gospel other than this gospel. So do you ever, did you ever name your guardian angel by choosing a scripture verse? Anybody? Okay. No. <laughs> so we were always taught that, you know, that just the beauty of our guardian angel and the personal presence of that angel and that we should be interacting and talking, you know, more frequently and intimately with this great gift of God. And so I actually think it was Father Larry Richards who said you should open up your Bible and, you know, whatever name your eyes fall upon first is your guardian angel's name. Like you pray this prayer and you do this thing, right? So I'm like, okay. So, um, of course, I always pictured my angel. uh, They don't have bodies, so I know they're not male or female, you know, in physical form. But I'm a girl, so I, you know, whatever, a girl. So I opened the Bible up and my eyes fell to the word John. And I was like, I don't like that. That can't be right, right? So I opened it up again, best out of three. (laughs) So I opened it, completely different part. And it was like where it says the the gospel of John, like the first page. So the word John is like big. And I'm like, yeah, that's just total coincidence. And so I'm like third time, right? Third time's a charm. So I open it up again. It was to this gospel. And it says, he will be called John. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, Lord. So that's my guardian angel's name. So every time I hear this gospel, I give a little extra nod to my guardian angel. So, Cute. yes. So Annie, John Paul, what thoughts do you have from this beautiful gospel reading? I love when the word immediately shows up in scripture. And I don't know, immediately his, out, his mouth was open, his tongue freed, and he spoke blessing God. Mm-hmm. And just how to, um, Zachariah, just how you can, there's just the Lord, by claiming truth, like we, we pull ourselves out. Um, the Lord, the Lord pulls us out. Um, but just Zechariah had been so entrenched in doubts. And so often we beat ourselves up for doubting or for confusion or, um, for various situations that we fall into. And Zechariah had his voice taken away for a time, but it was just a time. And he claimed that he claimed the truth. He called his son John and it says immediately his mouth was open his tongue freed so I just thought that that was really beautiful and he spoke blessing God just that worship that calling into worship that that was the first thing that he did with his tongue when Mm. his tongue was freed Mm -hmm. we were blessed to be at the Toledo Art Museum today and there's a very beautiful painting hanging in the um the big room the great gallery the great whatever it's called (laughs) but it's of um the holy family with John the Baptist and it struck me just the awesomeness of that, because at least I haven't often thought about that. So you have the Blessed Mother and St. Joseph and Jesus, the beautiful the Holy Family going on there. And little John the Baptist as a little infant-ish. Little John the Baptist. Little John, um, a toddler um, who was feeling mighty leaf-free, because neither... Leaf-free? <laughs> but never mind. What is that word? Leaf-free. <laughs> mightily <laughs> free. <laughs> just they were carefree. They were a little naked bodies running around but um as little little babies but they it was just dear like thinking 
you don't often put them together, like, you know, as children. And you, I'm sure that they got together, right? They were family. Family was so important. You know, the cousin having the mm-hmm. coven, it was a play date, <laughs> you know, and just the beauty mm-hmm. of that. And so often we just separate, you know, these holy categories into very separate boxes, but just how they would have flowed, flowed, is that the word? Together, just so beautifully um, and in that spirit of the richness of family, in particular, a Jewish family back in that time and just how cool that would have been. And you wonder what their conversations would have been and, um, you know, how the Blessed Mother would have, you know, embraced her little nephew and I don't know, or not nephew, cousin. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, again, just the richness of family and all that comes with that. Um, and in the faith of Zechariah, you know, they don't have the preceding uh verses before this gospel but you know he did not believe that his wife right was going to conceive because she was so old and so that's why he was made mute so that you know he couldn't talk and you know just his faith and he still he didn't know he was going to get his voice back right and so he he um, trusted and put forth and proclaimed what the lord you know through the angel had said to him his name is going to be john and that went against every tradition of that time, right? And so he remained faithful in that trusting, not knowing the bigger picture and how the Lord just, you know, amazed all, you know, and brought glory to his name um, by doing that. Folks are coming in for a landing here, and here's some maybe concluding thoughts. God is capable of speaking from the heavens to each of us personally. He has the power to do it. He's done it throughout history in select times and moments. And everything God does is intentional. So it's purposeful. It's meaningful. And the fact is, he doesn't. We don't hear his voice through our ears. Most of us don't. But he does speak through the family. He does speak. He does proclaim through the family that the family is his greatest proclamation. Husband and wife love each other so much that nine months later you could give it a name, a trinity trinity of persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, husband, wife, child, all meant to give glory to God. The purpose of the family is to make God who is love known. And Jesus revealed to us this nature and this person to sacrifice ourselves for the good of other. Let's pray for that grace this summer to open our hearts and minds to demonstrate love, to reveal God in the way we love one another. So we do invite you to go to ilovemyfamily.us. Join us in proclaiming God and trying to live it out all the more and seek his grace. Just may his abundant grace be upon us this night, overflowing to the world around us. We ask this in his name, through Christ our Lord. Speak what is true.